Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Yapwa. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. You boldly go where no man has gone before. Season 4 premiere of the Computer Resume podcast. The show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. Now, you can't prove that Weird Al's 1991 banger wasn't written as a tribute to today's guest. From Verge Games, it's TJ Surgeon! Yay! TJ! <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on here. Oh man, it's been a, uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, in fact, so uh, let's just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Uh, you're from Verge Games, which means yes. uh, you're working closely with uh, another former guest and friend of the show, Josiah Martindale. That is correct. So uh, I've been talking with you guys for a while about, you know, working on some things for some different RPG uh, type stuff through verge games but uh my wife asked me the other day so what is everybody who who's all involved <laughs> who does what and my answer was i don't know <laughs> so let's just start at the beginning how did you meet josiah and then how did verge games all come together uh well i met him through a friend of a friend okay we have a mutual friend who is the what well, i you know, like to type as a connector kind of person ah they just, hey, hey, you, you, you would probably like each other and then meet. And then, <laughs> yeah, but we met at a board game uh, night. Uh, actually, I brought Battlestar Galactica. Oh. Uh, and he's like, man, you have Battlestar Galactica. I have to be your friend. So <laughs> <laughs> we can smell our own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, we did a few more board game nights and then just started hanging out on our own. Uh, he actually ended, uh, ended up moving in with me, uh, was a roommate for a while. Oh, cool. When I was single, uh, of course. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Throughout this time, you know, multiple years are passing and uh, we played board games pretty much every week, uh, video games throughout the week. Oh, nice. Uh, land parties every other night was pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's Bachelor Life for you, right? Oh, of course. Then through this, we, we I introduced him to, D to Dungeons and Dragons because uh, I had been doing it with uh, some coworkers. And so I brought him in and got him introduced to that. We started doing alternating board games and D&D night and board game and D&D night. So you're to blame. Yes. Yes, I'm to blame. <laughs> <laughs> but through all of that, we decided that we love games mm. and we love to make our own. Uh, our first idea actually was not uh, related to D&D. Uh, we had some board game ideas. Cool. We still have some. I'm not going to share much on those. Fair enough. Because <laughs> we don't want somebody else to make it. Right. <laughs> but uh, we actually started uh, working on mechanics and uh, looking into uh, getting some artwork created uh, as far as that. Had some test pieces done. We really liked it. That's actually how we found our artist for uh, our first RPG module. 
mm. uh, Christmas Carol Adventure. Uh, we used the same artist we found originally for the board game. Nice. Which is a it's a great module. You guys did a fantastic job Thank putting you. putting Thank that you. together. It's really great. But this was we found out that we're like hitting we were hitting gonna hit the peak of the board game market at the time. We're like, you know, if we had done this like two years ago, we probably would have been fine. But right now there's hundreds of new board game companies all doing tons of Kickstarters and it was just booming like crazy. And we're like, we are gonna get lost in the shuffle. Mm. Uh, so we actually talked to some local business owners for game stores and one of them recommended that we actually focus our efforts on D and D, um, because it was on the rise board games were starting to decline. Yeah. Stuff like critical role, you know, picking up and yeah, exactly. really taking well, and, off. And the big thing is the board game market was pretty much saturated. Right, uh, he right. was a game store owner and couldn't buy all of the different games where years before he was buying everything that came out. Oh, wow. So he had to start picking and choosing um, a lot more. Mm. So that's how we got started in that kind of direction. Mm-hmm. And then Josiah had the idea for a Christmas Carol adventure. We were trying to do a special event for a Christmas thing um, with some friends that were going to be in town for a short time. We didn't want to do a long campaign. Uh, and so because we were having guests in for such a short time, it made sense to do a one shot. He got a couple of ideas together. Uh, one of them was from Matt Mercer. He did sort of a similar thing to this. And uh, so we, he just did that and ran with it. It was so good. We decided to go ahead and like compile it up and see uh, how far we could really take this. Yeah. It's again, you know, not to, you know, to to the verge horn again, but I picked it up and just started reading it just to kind of, because I'm a big fan of Christmas Carol Mm -hmm. anyway, that's, uh, I'm a Christmas baby. So when Christmas rolls around, I'm a Christmas baby as well. Oh, really? Uh, Oh, what what date? Uh, December 28th. Oh, December 26th. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, man. Yeah, I know. It's sometimes, all. <laughs> sometimes sometimes they can only they can only afford one gift. That I know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, Christmas Carol is is such a fun read anyway. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm saving it for a special occasion. Uh, but <laughs> I I fully intend to take my adventuring party through it uh, as well in the not too distant future. So. At the beginning, it was just uh, Josiah and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, we put together the bulk of everything to get started. And then we're getting near the end and trying to polish it up. And uh, we brought in my wife, uh, who is very, very good with grammar. Uh, and we brought her in as our editor. Oh, cool. uh, and then she did our layout as well. Nice. After we finished that campaign, uh, Josiah found his significant other. Uh, and she started doing some marketing for us. So it's really... The core of our company is Josiah, myself, and our wives. Nice, nice. That's very cool. And I'm I'm so glad to have uh, you know found you guys and uh, have interacted with you as much as you've allowed. <laughs> and uh, really looking forward to what we can uh, accomplish in the future. I'm I'm really excited for it. Yeah. But shifting gears a little bit. So when I talked with Josiah uh, back beginning of the summer. He actually mentioned that you are actually an even bigger Star Trek fan than he is. Yes. Yes, I am. So first of all, what came first, gaming or Star Trek? That's hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My first game uh, was actually on the Commodore 64. Oh, okay. Uh, My dad was an engineer. And so he actually uh, was an early adopter of technology. Nice. And so... I probably played a game first, but Star Trek was also very early on as well. 
do you have a earliest memory or a favorite character? I, for, first of all, who's your crew? The next generation is my okay. Crew. I was going to say, I was going to say, we, we, I think we're pretty close in age. So I imagine you're yeah. a TNG kid. Uh, the original series is great. Yeah. Um, the later stuff, there's great stuff too. But uh, the first episode I can actually remember entirely was season four, episode 18, Identity Crisis. Ooh, nice, nice. I looked that up because I like, I don't remember what episode name that was. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, do you want to go ahead and call dibs for that episode? later in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I'd love to. All right. <laughs> Dibs have been called. Yeah, so that was the, that's the first episode I remember in its entirety. I had seen bits and pieces. I watched that one uh, on the air live. Oh wow. Nice. So that was part of the problem is when we watched it it wasn't always uh, we didn't always turn on the TV in time. So last half of the episode or first half and then we had to go to bed or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> it sounds very very familiar. <laughs> Uh, do, do you have a, you know, I've spoken uh, quite a few times about the level of competency of seemingly every crew member mm -hmm. on board the Enterprise D. Did one of those characters speak out to you more than than any than anyone else? I mean, I imagine you're a TNG kid. Uh, Yana Troy might have been a deciding factor for you. Is that is not that... actually really? Uh, no? I liked her. Okay. But. She's an empath, right? I'm not super in tune with emotions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So I didn't, I mean, she was pretty, but you know, I don't know. I just, uh, actually Jordy LaForge. Good choice. Yeah. And then Riker. Yeah. You've got a nice Riker-esque beard. <laughs> I have the retired Riker beard. Yeah, the retired Riker beard. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So you watched a little bit of TNG live. Mm -hmm. What was your experience watching Enterprise? Uh, did you have an experience watching Enterprise or did you just come to it later? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually watched some Enterprise live as well. Okay, cool. I was super excited mm -hmm. hearing that they were going to do a prequel. Mm. Uh, I'd been watching all the other series, uh, except Deep Space Nine. I actually put that one off for a little while before I watched that one. <laughs> me too honestly I, I i didn't get to it till it was on netflix uh yeah yeah gosh uh quite a few years ago now but uh yeah i'm right there with you man i also had watched a lot of quantum leap growing up mm -hmm. so fan of scott bacula i was yeah. super excited to hear him coming on as as the captain he's sci-fi royalty man yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah uh i was pretty excited i was pretty happy with the series overall I liked the idea of taking a step back from technology, mm. trying to do things the old-fashioned way, if you will. Of course. Yeah. Uh, lending into more problems that couldn't just be instantly solved with, you know, technology magic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't just reverse the polarity. Uh, and I think they did really well with uh, the decent complexity on all the, all the main characters. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's of the TNG era, it's definitely the shortest series. Mm -hmm. And I really wish we had gotten a little more time with those characters. Yes. But the time that we did get was pretty great. You know, a lot of people, mm -hmm. a lot of people really discount Enterprise as just kind of a cash grab. And I can definitely see that argument. <laughs> yes. Sure. Paramount, CBS doesn't want to, doesn't. Yeah. Let's keep milking that cash cow. Absolutely. 
But, you know, once you set a pretty high bar on a franchise, especially, mm-hmm. you know, so genre heavy. Right. You kind of have to keep achieving that or the audience is going to get smaller and smaller. That is definitely true. Yeah, for sure. And the shift between episodic to more serialized narrative Mm -hmm. from season one and two into season three and four was good. I think we got a lot of really great moments and a lot Mm -hmm. of really meaty narrative, you know, Mm -hmm. very, very, a lot, a lot to chew on there. And I'm really in favor of that. Uh, I'm always, I've always been in favor of large epic novels. Mm. Anything with a lot of meat that you can really, really dig deep into. Yeah. That's my jam. Uh, So I really liked the shift into the bigger narrative, Mm -hmm. but uh, it makes it difficult to just go, you know, watch it every, you know, when it's convenient. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is definitely the flip side of the coin because, you know, the more episodic stuff is definitely more accessible to a wider audience. You can just pick up any old episode and start watching, but with something more friends or the office, you can pretty much pick up any episode and enjoy it. Yeah. Without context. And here more recently with new Trek, Mm -hmm. which has been, uh, you know, until recently with strange new worlds has almost been solely serialized. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard for folks to just jump in. Uh, You kind of, these have become water cooler shows where you kind of have to keep up if you're going to be part of the, uh, part of the It has some benefits because, you know, you can get other people to start, you know, watching it along with you, but at the same time, it's a, it's a barrier to entry, I think as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's definitely, you know, that coin definitely has two sides and uh, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of in or you're out. And I've talked with a lot of folks who are just, you know, you know, dusting yeah. off and be like, you know what, this just isn't for me. It's not my trek. And that's fine. You know uh, it's, I've been able to see and identify with a lot of the arguments. Mm-hmm. I'm, more of a completist, I suppose. So, <laughs> so am I. It's all so trek to me. <laughs> but yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I didn't come to Enterprise until uh, 2006. Okay. It was my wind down. I was I was working third shift at the time. So when I got home, you know, from work at uh, 8:30, 9 o'clock in the morning, on our DVR there was you know at least two or three episodes of enterprise and i would kind of (laughs) use those to kind of power down and eventually go to sleep but uh yeah it wasn't until here with this uh with this podcast that i really got to dive back into it i always enjoyed it just because it was such a different take and uh you Mm -hmm. know they weren't bound as much by established canon because it was a Mm -hmm. prequel um i loved sort of the function over fashion Mm -hmm. element to it you know pockets and right you know, the ship is essentially just a flying submarine. It's kind of cool that way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, getting into season three, we're seeing, a, like I already mentioned, a big shift from the exploration and episodic to, mm-hmm. okay, we got to figure out how to beat the Zindi or at least win them over. And here we are definitely in the thick of it. We are drawing to a close on season three of Enterprise Right. And the stakes are super high every episode. It seems like if stuff outside the ship is not cranked to 11, then at least one or two crew members are having some sort of existential crisis. (laughs) 
or drug related crisis. Yeah, or a drug related crisis. Yes, of course. Uh, but yeah, this has been this has been a lot of fun to dive into. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Zindi War specifically leading up to this episode? Did did you like it? Were you uh, were you into some of the character arcs and overarching narrative? Like, how'd you feel about it, and how does it stack up with the rest of your Star Trek viewing? I actually did like the Zindi arc. Uh, the whole time travel um, aspect of it. Uh, I've always been a big fan of anything that had time travel in it. For the nice. most part, there's a few exceptions. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that's just, just done so poorly, you shouldn't bother. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea that you know they're being relied on in their own time, but being influenced from an outside time. Mm. I found that quite interesting. Um, the mystery of the sphere builders, uh, I thought was really cool. Uh, very interesting though the whole expanse being such a dangerous area mm. and the unknown enemy uh, I think is something that's not done often enough yeah yeah that kind of idea of there's a big baddie out there we don't know who it is but they're terrorizing us oh yeah well I mean you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of really good D&D adventures you that do. kind of have that similar element of we are fighting this thing we we know a name and we know what direction they're in so let's go <laughs> Right. Right. But yeah, this is uh this is really fun to see um you know the enterprise crew really performing at their at the top of their game uh mm-hmm. in a ship that is at this point held together with <laughs> with a prayer. <laughs> right, right. And uh yeah, we and, and running on a lean crew. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, they've they've taken some heavy, heavy losses. And mm-hmm. uh, but before we get too much further into that let's get to this week's recap brought to you in part by our patreon supporters rev j and jerry antimano spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert only three new episodes are left until the Enterprise season finale. The Zindi weapon is days away from completion. Every second matters in their desperate rescue mission. Target Enterprise! As the fate of Earth hangs in the balance. And Wednesday, a daring assault inside the most dangerous machine the galaxy has ever known. I suggest we work fast. All new Star Trek Enterprise. Enterprise is... To the Zindi Council, under escort by Degra's ship, Archer is briefed on the five-member species of the Council. John's the wise guy. Paul's the cute one. George is pretty quiet. And this the new kid, I can't remember his name. Other friendly Zindi ships soon join the escort. As they approach the planet, the flagship of the reptilian commander Dolum intervenes. After a tense standoff, Dolem backs down. On the planet, Archer and Hoshi enter the council chamber and present their evidence to the gathered representatives. Dolem is mad at the move and walks out in protest. Later, a guardian appears on his ship, promising Dolem reptilian dominance if he continues their original plan. Meanwhile, a space bus containing T'Pol, Reed, Travis, and Mako Corporal Hawkins investigate a nearby sphere in order to try to collect more data on the sphere builders, who are now becoming increasingly concerned with the human threat. The space bus enters a concealed exhaust vent, and reaching the core, the team retrieve a memory module. 
The intrusion activates an automated defense system, and Hawkins is killed, helping the others escape. Doc Flox and Trip create a holographic version of the Sphere Builder from Harbinger, which Archer presents to the Council. Many admit its resemblance to the Guardian race, a people who the Zindi both revere and worship. The Council votes to delay the weapon's launch, with even Dolan agreeing. That night, Dolan confronts and murders Degra as revenge for the destruction of a reptilian ship. Well, this sucks. At the next meeting, Dolan openly admits the death and reptilian primacy, and the reptilian and insectoid members leave. They soon launch the superweapon, escorted by Dolan with his flagship. With both Enterprise and friendly Zindi ships in pursuit, Dolan kidnaps Hoshi and disappears into a subspace vortex. I don't care! So here's another interesting element uh, that I'm fascinated by is the double cross uh you see it a lot in different narratives mm-hmm. um you know it's really fun when it happens in role-playing games uh have you ever seen or had the opportunity to instigate a double cross i have uh, really <laughs> care to share, <laughs> care to share? Um, uh, there was one case in which i put an npc into the party uh, when doing a uh, D&D game. Mm. Uh, and I had put him in the into the party for quite a while. It had been five or six adventures or so that he'd been with them uh, before doing the double cross. <laughs> oh, sucker to man. That's the long con, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a long con. That was fun. <laughs> did uh, did anybody did anybody perish? No, no, unfortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> I tried my darndest to kill somebody. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is great because, I mean, in terms of what's going on here, Archer is presenting like legit solid evidence of like, hey, mm-hmm. it's not us you should be worried about. It's the folks that you're worshiping, which, uh, you know, in terms of what's going on today in today's world, you know, Religion is definitely not seen as a safe haven anymore. Um, right. Have you, uh, I mean, I don't know your religious background or anything like that, but have you, have you felt this? Have you experienced this at all in your life? Uh, yes. Um, I'm a Christian, uh, as is Josiah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, I don't know. It seems like almost anything that's considered religious is being shunned anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily matter what religion it is. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. Nobody wants to take, no, nobody wants to really look at it. They take what you say at face value and discard it. And yeah. nobody's really too, willing to uh, put any time or effort into investigating what they actually believe anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I, I was raised very, uh, very strict uh, fundamentalist Baptist Um up, upbringing uh, my father went to a very prominent uh, religious college and um, which had education levels all the way down to kindergarten mm-hmm. and um, so I came up through that system um, and of course Sunday morning Sunday evening Wednesday night you know was there mm-hmm. for all of it and um, w- when I entered high school it was my first time away from the Christian education system into public school, public high school. 
so that was a big, big shift. Wait, you mean not everybody prays before they eat? Uh, wait a minute, girls wear pants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it was a big, it was a big culture shock for sure. And then, you know, going in, um, you know, during high school was, uh, the Columbine massacre. Right. And, uh, of course, uh, not long after that was, uh, 9-11 of course was my senior year. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had the Westboro Baptist church doing a lot of their activities as well. And, you know, the only thing I could think to say, you know, was even to this day, to a degree of just, they don't speak for all of us. <laughs> we, we we don't we don't all hate soldiers and homosexuals. Like <laughs> some of us are actually really nice people. <laughs> right, right. Um, and but yeah, you know. And then you got you know you got stuff like uh, you know the priests in Boston. Uh, you know the kind of uh, where uh, you know where it first really took center stage uh, in the news. Um, and well, and you can see a lot of that trend in the media. So, yeah. like, I think the uh, the beliefs of the Zindi in here are actually relatively reasonable. Yeah, they've been they've been they, shown the future. They've been shown the future. Yeah, they have not extreme faith, but you know they're moderately solid in their faith and yeah um and they're not presented as crazy yeah I, exactly in in so many of the new media out here now um anybody who's brought in as a religious type figure all always comes out as the extreme caricature of that mm. and is mocked yeah yeah i can see that and yeah I, I, you know we see archer being the sole representative of earth right. and him having to go we're really we're really just here to explore you guys yeah yeah <laughs> uh we have we have no beef with you at all i mean you did kill seven million of our people mostly floridians so we're not too worried about it but like <laughs> yeah they're a bit crazy anyway yeah exactly so <laughs> but yeah essentially saying the same thing and again i, I mentioned this on a on an episode sometime back, I, I recall asking, I was very young at the time and asking my dad who was watching the news about, you know, things going on overseas. I said, dad, what is this all about? What's, what's, what's happening and why is it happening? And I don't remember anything else that he said, except uh, you'll never win a religious war. And while this isn't strictly religious, they do worship the sphere builders. And we've right. already seen what faith in the sphere builders brings in the episode um chosen realm where enterprise gets taken captive by religious terrorists Mm -hmm. um but yeah they have their faith and archer has his faith the question is who has faith of the heart tj do you have faith of the heart (laughs) yes (laughs) yes i do (laughs) i you know i had to ask you about the theme song man (laughs) we took a sharp left from a very from a very deep discussion to discuss the very silly theme song (laughs) i actually really like the theme song oh do you oh okay good 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 well i i've always said like i i like the theme song but i prefer season one and two version as opposed to three and four where do where do you fall uh I don't know. I'd have to go back and see them again to actually really be able to answer that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is, you know, this is really fascinating in seeing that Archer's desperation to Archer's desperation to beat the Zindi 
has now become more of a desperation to reach the Zindi. And when I say reach the Zindi, I mean like truly understand and mm-hmm. get them to see his point of view. And I think um, that's a great thing they did with that with the arc. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you went know, from this, you know, mindless, you know, uh faceless, horrible thing out there that we don't know what it is killing mm-hmm. us yeah. to we've got to understand them. We've got to learn. We've got to interact. We've got to figure out how to help them understand us and come to an understanding. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, as, you know, as we get into the deeper discussion, you can't help, but look at the folks, uh, involved in, in, in displaying this narrative. So let's get to our section that we've lovingly titled, who do we blame? (laughs) <laughs> uh, this episode was written by Manny Cotto, who uh, his last work on the on the franchise was season three, episode 18, Azadi Prime, which we discussed with Lego mock builder Chris Ains back on episode 64. Uh, this episode was directed by David Livingston, whose last episode directing was season three, episode 15, Harbinger, uh, which we discussed with comic book writer, illustrator Brian Denham on episode 61. Uh, the guest stars, we've got a lot of familiar faces who will pretty much continue through the rest of this season. Randy Oglesby, of course, as Degra in his final appearance. Uh, Randy Oglesby, really, he, you know, he made a couple of appearances earlier on and he was kind of a nice day player. But here at the end of his run, man, I wish he'd gotten more screen time and just uh, just mm-hmm. a few more episodes. He really came into this character and really got it to got it to shine, especially his interactions with Trip, who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, he killed Trip's sister. But right. they, they end up being able to work side by side and even and, Degra and even get a respect for each other. Yes, they have that mutual respect, especially that line where he says, if I had suffered your loss, I'd feel the same way. You know, mm-hmm. really, he's a family man. He's He's got a wife and kids. Uh, right. So, yeah. Um, we've also got the unkillable Tucker Smallwood, once again, as a Zindi primate <laughs> counselor. Rick Worthy as Janar. Scott McDonald as Commander Dolan. But we've also been introduced to Mary Mara as Sphere Builder Presage. Uh, she's got an interesting, really interesting uh, resume. We we don't see a ton of female character actors, but man, she's got a really impressive resume. Uh, and I'll just hit a couple of the highlights here. Her first uh, first thing right out of the gate was The Preppy Murder, a TV movie in 1989. And then uh, a few years later uh, was in Love Potion Number no. 9, starring Tate Donovan, Sandra That's Bullock. Oh, yeah. Tate Donovan, Sandra Bullock. And a younger Adrian Paul, pre-Highlander. I'm a huge, huge Highlander fan. Uh, in fact, I'll go ahead and state definitively now, when Computer Resume Podcast takes a final bow, stay tuned because next week I will start my Highlander podcast. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but anyways. Wait, wait. No, there can only be one podcast. <laughs> Hey, don't give away my, don't give away the title, man. <laughs> That's my title. The only one podcast. <laughs> it's, I've said it here. It's claimed anybody else who, who starts the only one podcast, you will be getting a cease and desist from Davis Entertainment, <laughs> Davis Entertainment Network. <laughs> 
but yeah, Mary Mara, she's uh, she also got a few longer stints on some projects. She had nine episodes of ER from 95 to 96, 23 episodes of Nash Bridges from 96 to 97. And then not too much longer after that was this her first of three appearances on Enterprise. Uh, so we're not done talking about her just yet. But uh, Michelle Erica Green for Trek Nation wrote that she felt that the launch of the super weapon uh, was outweighed by the murder of Degra, uh, which uh, I believe Jamal from Jammers Reviews um felt a little bit differently he said uh that the shot of the super weapon being launched was terrific and fearsome i you know it, it were it really was a cool shot and i do really wish we had more of a more time to explore you know a little bit of remorse and a little bit of, uh, you know so many of these things so many of these great moments I, that's the that's the thing about the 22 to 24 episode season structure is we've got a limited time to tell this story so we don't always get to let those emotional moments land and i really wish we had gotten either you know more two-parters or maybe uh, this wasn't a big thing back then but you know some mini episodes uh released online or something like that you know to kind of fill in some of the gaps and see some of the uh some of the fallout from things like the death of degra uh, but yeah, in- no, I want to add to that. The yeah, I think they actually could have done away with the little uh, subplot with DePaul, Reed, Travis, and the Mako going into the sphere. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it. Then they could have put more emphasis on the emotional part of it, and then made a bigger boom with the big space weapon. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely important to the overall plot. Uh, how important seeing all that was to the overall narrative and everything it should have been its own episode yeah it really should have it really should have been as you know sort of a i mean they literally could have called the episode and just have it be them with with travis circling overhead (laughs) well it could have been right after you know the ship got taken by the the religious zealots right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then they could have had a well we have no map anymore and spend a whole episode yeah. digging into a sphere and go really deep into um, the, you know, infiltrating it and and digging down in and then retrieving the information they need. It could have been a whole episode built just around that. And then yeah. they could have spent more time on the emotional side for this episode. Yeah. yeah I think I, I understand why they did it. They were trying to keep the excitement up uh, with this subplot. Mm. But I think it would have been a whole lot more impactful if they just put a lot more effort into the other main plots that they had going on there. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I mean, I guess the big, the big thing to come out of that was sort of the closure of the headbutting between mm-hmm. major Hayes and Lieutenant Reed. Uh, you know, they've been back and forth for a long time for the, for the whole season <clears throat> mm-hmm. and seeing them finally kind of come together and be like, you know what? We both lost somebody. You know, uh, he was, he was your, he was your teammate. He was under my command and yeah, it it was rough, but to see them kind of finally have that shaking of hands, even if just metaphorically and, you know, really coming together was, was really nice. Um, So I I want to say that I like what they do with a lot of the character development through the season. mm -hmm. Uh, I think one thing that they try to emphasize too much 
is drawing out the uh, intrigue for that you know subplot yeah. until the end of the season. Yeah, having everything kind and of and then you have up. all of the yeah. subplots and all of your main plots sort of wrapped up all together. Mm. It kind of ends up with the, a little bit disjointed a lot uh, at times. Um, you know, plots you'd really like to go in depth on being overridden by the main plot. Example by this, you know, uh, investigating the sphere. Yeah, I think you know having. I think if the shows had been structured a little bit differently and some of the more one-off type episodes in season three had been reduced or maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, lost altogether. um, Yeah. You might've missed some of Archer's development. I think art over the, over the entire season of season three, you really see Archer's arc that he, his is the, his is the big one that you see because you see him go from, uh man on a mission to man of revenge and that's kind of the big one well and then compromising exactly yeah yeah. compromising his own morals and really uh you know really taking matters into his own hands for for better or worse uh but yeah i think if things had been structured a little bit differently i i don't mind the build-up to the end of the season but it might have been better to have a feature length chunk of episodes basically like a three-parter or a four-parter and mm-hmm. just have it be you know have it be this really big finale type thing i mean they got close with these there it's they a did. lot of they it's did. a lot of two and three-part narratives sort of mushed together but i think if it had been again if it had been structured just a little bit differently it might have landed a little bit harder Mm-hmm. and uh you know i would have liked to see some of the subplots be wrapped up yeah a few more episodes earlier yeah uh or and then some of them just left hanging lo- and not answered sure yeah absolutely i think having to paul overcome her addiction to trillium d right you know with, <laughs> seemingly with no uh without with little repercussions at all you know right very I'd little rather see that stretch a lot longer yeah yeah that's something especially since it's affecting her emotionally which we get uh-huh. a little glimpse of it here and there but for the most part it was just kind of why did we do this to her <laughs> right uh so in 2021 the digital fix said this was an episode that really gets back to the heart of star trek i i think i agree i mean if we're talking the films maybe i mean because episode to episode i don't know that the stakes really match up but you know for some of the bigger movies i think this uh yeah between the action and the stakes and a couple of the character arcs i think this is more in line with some of the old school or i shouldn't say old school but like you know some of the more classic star trek films well and they're trying to figure out how to change the narrative from episodic to an arc Right. Too. So I, you know, this is, this is in when a lot of other shows are doing the same kind of thing. They're trying to do longer narrative stories, mm. and I don't think that early on they had figured out how to do the timing on all the subplots and things like that at this point. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But you know, uh, to go out on a bang, this episode was nominated for a primetime Emmy Award for outstanding mm-hmm. visual effects. And to be honest. Yeah, I agree. It's it's actually pretty dope. That's one of the you mentioned uh earlier Battlestar Galactica and we recently actually covered the uh the pilot mini series of the newer version of uh of the reboot of Battlestar uh-huh. Galactica 
And I was really excited to revisit it. And when I did, and I've, I mean, I've got the box set on Blu-ray and I popped it in and started watching it. It was like, Oh, some of these special effects have not aged well. <laughs> the, don't get me wrong. Like the, the characters and the performances, oh, and, yeah, yeah. you know, that stuff top notch, still really just a banger, but some of those dog fights look, Oh, janky at best, man. <laughs> that they do. They look a little, a little weak for sure. Well, uh, as, far as, as far as the effects go for this episode, uh, the big sphere weapon was amazing. Yeah. Um, the battles uh, were awesome. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing that really left a little bit to be desired were the insectoids. Yeah. So, you know, and I've said, I've said before, you know, especially earlier in season three, I kind of wish they'd have made them more like the shark in jaws, like let them sort of be in the background. Don't show us so much of the mm -hmm. Zindi council, let them be these dark mysterious figures and slowly reveal them over time. But yeah, th I think they were more of like, check out our cool special effects and check out these prosthetics. Aren't they awesome? Like right. immediately. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, aren't we telling a story here, <laughs> but let me ask you uh, the very, very important question that we've been asking every week. Is this essential viewing? Mm. If someone is sitting down to watch star Trek for the first time, the franchise and they start in chronological order, probably with Computer Resume Podcast. Um, <laughs> is this one that they can't miss? I would say yes, they can't miss it because uh, it's building up to the finale. Yeah. There's a lot of major plot that happens in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the part that, like I said before, the part that I probably could have been done without is delving down into the sphere. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. In terms of the overall plot if you're invested in the plot at this point especially if you've been especially if you stuck through season one and season two that season two finale right is a doozy it and is. Oh. you know if if that doesn't hook you man <laughs> <laughs> what then what are you doing <laughs> just go ahead and skip to discovery <laughs> well, and, and, well at this point you're most way through the series right so yeah yeah <laughs> you yeah. might as well you might as well the, do it all. Yeah, three-fourths of the way for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, TJ Surgeon, do you have any final thoughts about this episode, uh, the series as a whole, your experience on your first podcast? Yes, this is my first podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, let me see. Um, I very much uh, really enjoyed going back and watching this uh, full season. Uh, mm. to get ready for this podcast. Uh, that, a lot of that's quite fun. an honor. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've always been a big Star Trek fan. Uh, it's a lot of fun to just sit around and talk about it. Uh, not all my friends are interested in doing that. <laughs> mm. I, I, feel, I feel your pain, sir. <laughs> <laughs> some of them are Star Wars. Some of them just are odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> uh it's been a lot of fun um thank you very much for having me on here uh it's we've really enjoyed having you and like i said you have definitely secured dibs on a future episode so this is definitely not the last time you'll be on this show for sure <laughs> sounds uh, great next week we will be joined by sci-fi author daniel mcmillan for enterprise season three episode 23 countdown which of course is available exclusively 
on Paramount Plus. TJ, where can people find some of your work on the internet? Uh, the best place is uh, vergegames.org. Yeah. Uh, you can also find us through uh, Kickstarter. Um, it's pretty easy to find us through uh, A Christmas Carol Adventure mm-hmm. uh, or Verge Games. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook uh, as well. I don't have a whole lot of personal social media. Uh, I tend to be more of the guy in the background helping things get moving, uh, production and all that jazz. Um, now, I, I, I know of a few things coming down the pipe, but is there anything that you can tease about what may be coming next from Verge Games? Um, it is another holiday. Uh, particularly uh, dark one <laughs> that, that does narrow it down a bit. <laughs> um, and our next one is not going to be a one shot. Ooh. So we're going for a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit bigger. Nice. Uh, it's I'm actually going to be an to... anthology. Ooh. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I am very, very excited as, you know, as I mentioned, I, I know a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes with you guys and I'll, I'll, I will keep your secret, sir, but, uh, <laughs> I, I am very, very excited. I will be first in line to get a copy for sure. Uh, and where, uh, where can people reach out to Verge specifically? At Verge Games KC on Twitter and Verge Games KC on Instagram. And I am at Mr. Tade Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in 10 forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?